Hey, friends. Sometimes my reporting is real substantial, and sometimes my segments uh, aren't so much. This is kind of an in-between thing. The Karen Olivito stuff has, has largely been beaten to death. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you might look back at my interview with Robert Barnes. Karen Olivito is, uh, according to the United Methodist Judicial Council, a illegitimate bishop of the United Methodist Church because she's an open-practicing, open married-to-a-woman, lesbian person. And the Western jurisdiction intentionally elected her in order to provoke the rest of the connection um, several years ago. So this is not new news. Uh, this is just one of the many notches that right-leaning people are holding against the institution of the United Methodist Church. So that's that's not new. Uh, I'm going to cover a new video. I got sent a new video that, that Ms. Olivito recorded that is just really emblematic of a lot of the th- theology undergirding just this this very left, extreme left swing. You know, it's funny, they call us the extreme right, but we're really not that far right. Uh, this is a very extreme leftist take. Somebody just sent it to me, and I had a couple minutes to look at it and then comment on it, so hopefully it's not going to be a real long segment. I did put together a scripture reading for us, because, you know, scripture is is really, really important, but if you stick with me for a couple minutes, we're going to watch a a video that uh, Olivito recorded in Mexico that in just a couple minutes manages to bring in a, a bunch of really problematic ideology that you do not want leading the church that you're a part of. So uh, admittedly, Olivito is one of many bishops, but the the pool of bishops is going to get smaller in the United Methodist Church because they're losing half of their people pretty much. A lot of their money, they just can't support bishops. You better believe that that Karen is going to be standing on top. Um, I, I don't want to be disingenuous in my coverage of Miss Olivito. Um, according to John Natasey, who I also did an interview with uh, several months ago now, she was really a very kind and effusive bishop. She is not, um, you know, I, I believe that behind the scenes that she was kind of catty and, and um, mean-spirited towards uh, Minerva Carcano. Uh, I, I think the only reason that I think that she was brought up on charges was because Olivito had something against her. I have no way of proving that, so I just it's an allegation that's that's unsubstantiated. But um, you know, according to Natasi, who is an open right leaning person, she was gracious. She came to visit with him one on one. She came and toured his uh, his parish, his his church, and and settings. So I don't want to at all do this demonizing thing where there are absolutely no redeeming characteristics about this woman. She's just satanic. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I, I don't think that's how evil works. I, I think evil marries itself to good, and, and that's how it works. So I'm, I'm sure that there are many charming and very lovable things about Karen Olivito. The reason I'm highlighting this is not to demonize her. It's to, it's to show how um, insidious... These ideologies are that have invaded the church, that have taken over the United Methodist Church, that that just caused all kinds of rot, and now is just the language, the lingua franca, I guess, of of the United Methodist Church. So that's enough setup, I think. We'll turn to it. I might I might pause through it a little bit, but uh, this this video that you're gonna see it it begins with a panoramic view. She's really in this incredible. Uh, uh, all kinds of incredible rocks all around her. I don't know the history of this place, but um, this is, you know, it pans around for like 15 seconds before 
you get this. Hi friends, every Saturday I spend time in prayer for the clergy and laity of the Mountain Sky Conference as we prepare for Sunday. And today I'm in Xochicalco, an ancient, uh, an ancient civilization in Mexico. It was here from 900 to 700 uh, years before Christ. And I've been thinking a lot, um, as we've been meeting with our group, we've spent time last night asking, where have we seen God showing up? What's God been speaking to you? And as I've been So uh, before I see the things that I don't like, I just want to affirm, I like the humble presentation. Uh, I'm a Methodist. I like plain stuff. I, I am always very off-put by leaders that are in wearing finery and showing off the wealth that they have. Uh, Olivito's not even wearing makeup, and I, I, I like that. I like people that are just naturally who God made them and unapologetic about it, just very comfortable in their own skin, and um, I, that means something to me. Uh, I recently got in trouble for remarking on the appearance of another person that I thought was very unhealthy and obviously so uh, spiritually. Um, I, I look at this lady, and I, I, don't, I don't see anything to, to object to in, in the way that she looks or presents herself. And I think really it's a good thing for religious leaders to present themselves humbly and without finery in this way. All right. Listening to our friends here, I'm so aware of how they let faith form them into a lifestyle. And it is a lifestyle that because we're following Christ entails risk as we get close enough with our neighbors that their hurts, their the oppression they experience, the injustices they experience, we feel them enough to want to do something about it. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with identifying the way of Christ as a way of risk, you know, because Christ took the ultimate risk with us and we killed him for it. And so that's that's to say that there is no risk that we can't take that God does not stand on the other side of as surety for. So there's nothing wrong with that. But where she goes from here the rest is just wonky. So first is this um, solidarity with the suffering and the poor. Uh, this is undergirded by the, I think the or origins would be liberation theology, which had the key tenet that um, in any human interaction, there's the privileged and the marginalized. There's the powerful and the powerless. And God always, um, always sides with the one with less power, less privilege, doesn't matter the circumstances on the ground, the characters involved, the things that were done. God has a preference for people on one side. Never mind that several times in Scripture we are told in Old and New Testament that God shows no partiality. But what, what follows here is undergirded by liberation theology that is, is really Christianese for neo-Marxism. So I'll talk more about that in a minute, but let's get back into the video. And I've been realizing that maybe I'm not living as faithful a lifestyle as I think. While we've been here, we've learned that this civilization, because of the separation between the rich and the poor, um, an uprising happened, an uprising that burned everyone out of here. And I think about the teachings of the, in, in our Hebrew Bible that says, um, each day I set before you life and death, that therefore choose life that you and your descendants might live. And it, it's not just me and my descendants, it's all of our descendants. How can we choose the things that make for life for all of us so that there will be no uprisings? So this gets really wonky. 
But she is trying to quote scripture. The problem is for uh, Olivito, scripture is not her friend. And so you need to watch the interview I did with Robert Barnes to see all the ways in which that is not true. Reverend Robert Barnes, now GMC clergy for good reason, uh, in good faith tried to press charges against Olivito for preaching heresy, namely that Christ was a sinner, that he was not fully divine, that he and the Father were not the uh, synonymous, and even alleging that that Jesus was a racist. Yes, all of these things is what this woman has alleged. Now she's trying to quote scripture, and the very scripture that she quotes is not her friend, as I'm going to show you in just a second. But here's the thing. You have a woman masquerading as, I, w- I would say masquerading as a Christian. I, th- I would define a Christian as one who's in submission to God's holy word, is known in the scriptures. She's obviously not interested in that. Even so, Knowing, I mean, she's already brought up Christ, the name of Christ, even though she serves a different Christ than I and many people do, and now she's bringing up the Christian scriptures, even though she's counterfeiting them and bastardizing them from their original context. So let's look at what this, she said, you know, uh, she was quoting, paraphrasing, from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy, of course, is the last will and testament of Moses. He's been leading the Israelites through the wilderness. Well, God has been leading them through him, and now he's not going to be able to enter the promised land, so he's just recapitulated God's law to them, the the terms of the agreement, this kind of suzerainty uh, agreement between um, God as, as suzerain and then them as their, the, the servants who have been saved and who have been purchased at a price, you know. So um, this, this, this is the larger quote that she is pulling from here. Now that I am commanding you, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so, as, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No. Here's the key part. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, here's the part that condemns her. And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, like the LGBTQ God, the God of inclusion, acceptance, diversity, equity, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, you see what I mean when the scripture condemns her? The, the thing that she's trying to bastardize it and say that choosing life is in this neo-Marxist thing, siding with the marginalized, when actually choosing life 
is siding with God by being obedient to him, specifically the laws that he has given us. So Olavito herself is responsible for leading a rebellion against God's laws. In the Old and New Testaments, this is a consistent witness of Scripture, she habitually speaks through a humanist, modernist, neo-modernist, neo-Marxist lens, as she's going to continue to do here, and yet she's going to use the very Scriptures that condemn her to buttress what she is doing or undergird the message that she wants to have. So what follows is self-evidently ridiculous. But she's got a lot of people fooled who believe that they're on the right side of history. What what Robert Barnes' interview eventually concluded, he got a response from the other bishops who looked at it, and what they said was that she was adhering to other doctrinal standards that uh, she was in compliance with. It became immediately clear to me in hearing Reverend Barnes talk that she is preaching another religion with other doctrines that surreptitiously they have made many converts to in the fold of the United Methodist Church. So what you have here is people using the same terminology around Christ, life and death, salvation, and yet they mean very different things by it. Um, she, she, she is part of a movement that has a sort of code that they speak where they actually mean the opposite thing or in another thing entirely when they use the same words as traditional Christianity, and they grow, grow increasingly hostile to those who maintain the old uh, understandings, the eternal understandings, because they have a new understanding, and you need to get with the program. Otherwise, you're part of the problem. You're an oppressor. You are part of this privileged class that needs to be shut down, and so that's the direction that she's going to go uh, from here. There will be no mass shootings. There will be no war. And that's what I'm really pondering as we live in a world of violence, of inequalities, of oppression. How can we do the things Jesus taught us to do, the lifestyle of faithfulness that pushes us, pushes us to do justice and walk humbly with God? That's what I'm being left with. And I'm asking you, each day God is setting before you the things that make for life and death. What are you, how are you choosing life so you and all who will come after you will live? Live into the way of life that Jesus taught us that is about love, an expansive love that includes all people. May we be faithful in our task. God bless you all and much love. So I kind of cut it at an unfortunate place because uh, where I'd cut it before and then where we dove back in, she had recapitulated the the history of the local peoples. There had once been wealth inequality, so those that had not rose up against those that had. And so she sees the Christian task as redistributing resources before there is inequality so that there doesn't have to be violence. And so what she's participating in is this kind of uh, rhetoric that's going on right now around uh, Palestinians, Hamas, and Israel. The notion is that Israel lives in a much better material state than people living in Gaza. And so the Gazans were in some sense right or at least understandable and excusable for their violent outrage as they tried to even the playing field and hurt others the way that they felt like they were hurting. Of course, we've seen this in the United States of America several times with different race riots, which disproportionately actually hurt uh, inner city populations, the very populations that are angry. They will riot 
and destroy local businesses. And yet that is uh, often portrayed by leftists as the cry of the unheard. And so uh, in the context of the Hamas uh, terrorism, and then many, it turns out, civilians who were Palestinians came in and killed civilians, raped, tortured, murdered, not just men, but, uh, not soldiers, but women and children, old folks. That is all called uh, decolonizing. That's all taking place, uh, according to many leftists, under the umbrella term decolonizing. You have colonized people and you have colonizers, and God is with the colonized people, and they are understandably angry at the inequality in the world. So we need to pursue justice. We need to pursue equality because we need to end violence. We need to end—that was where we came in at the start of this clip— we need to end human suffering, and that will just happen if we privileged people listen to the voice of the unheard, if we just participate in God's justice and redistribute and give them whatever they want. And this is, this is what's undergirding a massive amount of very far left-leaning thought, and it's, it's patently false and it's harmful. Um, because what we, what I think people in charge actually know is that the root issue is not material. That we, we in the West, we look at all issues as material in nature, and they, they aren't. You know, it's not that material matters not at all. It's that humans are not primarily material creatures. We're motivated by many things that don't necessarily have anything to do with money, uh, dignity, loyalty, relationship, tradition, family. All of these things matter and yet to the left they they want to make things very two two dimensional it's about money and it's about race how much pigment is in your skin and so they they interpret everything along this matrix and then they imply all of this guilt on people who are white and rich who they also happen to be but they're the enlightened ones okay you see they're the ones who know and are aware and it's their job now to maintain the authority that they have by putting other white privileged people in their places and we can all virtue signal and we can all kowtow and you know do do what it requires to convince people of color people of lower income we're with you really but um, you know it's for other people we're going to advance policies to redistribute this stuff Hey, so for those of you who can see me, I'm in a different outfit now. I was recording the segment the night previous, and it just cut out on me. And so I got frustrated and didn't look at it, and uh, it turns out uh, it, it, I got a good deal recorded, so I just need to wrap up now. So um, the, the thought I was in the middle of was just that there is an elite uh, symbolized, led by, in some capacity, Olivito, that is marked by virtue signaling, but not really being converted to the very values it espouses. Rather, it just uses these things as a wedge to, to claim more authority and power for themselves. So um, I'm going to direct your attention to my screen now, who uh, where you'll see a, uh, a picture that is a little provocative. Um, this is a picture of Bishop Olivito, if, if you're listening, holding up a sign we are all Muslims. And this is from an article that was written in January of 2022. The reason that I, I think that this photo is, is worth showing is because it shows just a, a massive disconnect with reality and of understanding what it means to be a Christian. Definitionally, when you are a Christian, you are not a Jew, you are not a Muslim, 
one can advocate for the rights of those people without claiming to be one of them. So I actually think that this is kind of an offensive, like, replacement theology-esque type of thing to do where we, uh, we, where Olivito and her ilk try and induct themselves, interlope themselves into uh, another identity as a form of kind of like exoticism, uh, Western-like fetishization of another culture. And of course, we've been seeing this since 9-11, since a lot of people have very intentionally tried to mitigate the um, differences between American culture and Middle Eastern cultures, or um, mitigate the differences between Christianity and Islam. This sort of um, provocative movement shows a real lack of discernment on the part of someone who's supposed to be a Christian leader. It's really, I mean, it's just a, a harbinger of destruction whenever a Christian leader is claiming to be Muslim. That's, and all of you know, I mean, for for those of you who are inclined to say, you know what, she's just won some cra one crazy left-wing progressive off in the West Coast. She is not representative of the institution. Look, all bishops are representative of the institution. They're all hold, held accountable to protect the whole book of discipline. So as soon as you have one that's upending it in this way, well, and you have to ask the question, how much is she representative of the rest? And what you, you find, hopefully if you listen to a lot of my reporting, is that the only bishops that are, that are left in the United States are those who either are on board with her or have been scared into silence. If, you, if we go back to this article, this describes a meeting that, that she largely hosted on behalf of the United Methodist Association of Retired Clergy. You would think that um, retired clergy being old would be more conservative. In the United Methodist Church, that is not what we find. What, what we find generally in retired clergy is they are much more receptive, uh, vulnerable, I don't know, to the progressive message, the um, it's really weird the thing that's psychologically taken hold here where a lot of these old folks just poured their lives into this institution, which really has become anti-Christian in some very fundamental ways, but because they invested so much of themselves into it, they're just, they're, they're, they ride the brand all the way to the end. They are partisans for whatever inst whatever whatever the institution does, they are with it. They're just ride ride till they die. It's a real problematic uh, thing to have because whenever the progressives grab the reins of power, that means that there aren't any people with integrity really to stand against it and go, no, 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 no. I did not serve this denomination for 50, 60 years only to have it go this direction. Most saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, knew that it was just going to be a far left thing. They were just taking their time with the, the long march through the institutions and now this is the final end game. This is what it looks like. So anyway, in this virtual session that they had, um, Olivito, she opened the conference. There's a couple paragraphs here describing it. Well, okay, so this just signals who's in charge here. Uh, while her dream hasn't changed, the world has changed around her. As she said, America has had to deal with, quote, the rise to the power of Donald Trump, the ensuing political divide that has been revealed in our country, as well as other sources of conflict, claiming that, quote, climate change has created apocalyptic conditions. And the reason that this is worthy of, 
of highlighting is her worldview is that leftist liberals are doing the same thing that they've only always ever done. Nothing new is happening there. Rather, the new thing is the rise of Donald Trump, and that's what has made everything so crazy. Never mind, there's a lot of good social science research showing that people on the right, the right-leaning people, have largely stayed the same in their beliefs and loyalties. It's the left that has really gotten much more radical and extreme in its views. So anyway, that's a problematic position for a, a United Methodist, a Christian leader to hold. Um, all of these, Olivito continued, this is the article again, have impacted our church and begs a response as followers of Jesus. So she, she sees the role of the church answering climate concerns and then uh, being against uh, Trump and people who like Trump. What was Olivito's response to these developments? This is the article again, similar Similarly to Olivito's previous statements decrying her ideological opponents within the church, Olivito blamed Fox News host Tucker Carlson, among other voices. She stated that, quote, the divisions fostered by Fox News and others are within our pews, and that, quote, instead of being guided by the gospel of Jesus Christ, too many have preempted the gospel mandate to love our neighbors for the unholy epistle of division, end quote. As a corrective, Olivito suggested that the church needed to do its job of, quote, imparting our United Methodist values, end quote. The question, of course, is what are the United Methodist values as Olivito understands them to be? So that's the thing to end on right here, which is um, if you watch the, the Robert Barnes interview, it becomes very clear that Olivito is espousing a new set of doctrinal principles that are deemed in keeping with United Methodist doctrine that do not conform to the actual written doctrinal standards. There is another religion that has done a hostile takeover of the United Methodist Church. I've already said it in several different venues where I think I've really made the case quite well that progressive leftist uh, United Methodism is not uh, historical Christianity, is actually a, an anti-Christianity, a parody of uh, authentic Christianity, and it's led by thought leaders like Olivito. So going back to what where this video started, I'm sure she's a perfectly nice person that is lovely to be friends with. However, because of this picture, these quotes, the, the very latest thing that she said on camera, all of these things point to a hostile takeover by an alternative religion that is bent on the accumulation of power, the manifestation of social change, largely in accord with the far left of the Democratic Party, um, this is worth me spending the time and energy on so that people who are still currently under the umbrella of the United Methodist Church, you don't have to just believe me out of hand, but start asking questions. Why is this lady still a bishop? Why is no one correcting her? Why are charges filed against her for good reason summarily dismissed? Is there anything that we can do to guarantee that the people holding the, the gears of power actually protect the institution, or are we subject to be preyed upon by wolves like this? So um, I'm sure she's a very nice wolf, but she's a wolf, or at least she's not any kind of identifiable Christian that can be expected to protect Christian doctrine. So if you're still in the United Methodist Church, if you're not already doing so, ask these questions. If you are asking these questions and, and you're of the mind that this is a problem, uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's too late to to get out. Um, I guess the main th the 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 thing to put your hope in now is that at General Conference next year, 
a new way out will be devised. So go ahead and figure out who your delegate to general conference is, uh, delegates, and let them know where your heart is and what your concerns are so that they can come representing your interests to the general conference next year. All right, I've talked long enough. Appreciate you hanging with me. Um, if you like what I do, go to plainspoken.locals.com and become a supporter. Um, if you're not really on board with that just yet, but you want to show love and support, go ahead and like this wherever you are. Share it with people that you think would benefit from knowing this stuff. And then as always, uh, comment publicly uh, for helping fill in the blanks that I, I did not cover. And then you can also email me privately if you want to give me more information or add more texture or nuance. I'm at plainspokenpod at gmail.com. All right, that'll be it for now. God bless you. I'll see you later.